Welcome to Win with Flynn, the podcast that shows how individuals like you can overcome challenges to succeed in chosen fields. Here is Dr. George Flynn to interview today's guest. I'm George Flynn, and you're watching and listening and hearing Win with Flynn. We appreciate you being here, and I've got a very special guest today, Karen Wilson. She will show you and her life and what she's done to overcome obstacles that you wouldn't believe. So Karen is here to tell her story, and then I'm sure we'll have some questions for her. But Karen, we'll welcome to the podcast, the broadcast, and the video cast. So you're here with us. Thank you for being here. And what is your story? How did you get to where you are, and where did you start, and how did you get there? Thanks, George. What a wonderful introduction. Um, and thank you for having me on your podcast. This is this is great. So I guess kind of my story started when I was seven. Uh, I began writing stories and I wrote about stuff like, you know, the puppy that I kidnapped from the neighbor when I was four and how to catch and gut a fish, you know, the things that my dad taught me, but it was never the writing that was my favorite part. It was reading my stories out loud. And then one day in second grade, we got this assignment to write about something that we were going to do on the weekend. And that was the weekend that my famous cousin, Raymond Bork, was coming to meet us for the very first time. And he played hockey, famous defenseman. And the entire family, mom, dad, big brother, Glenn, we all got to go watch the pregame hockey practice. And after practice, Ray came out, out of the locker room and he's huge. <laughs> and he comes right up to me. He crouches down, takes my hand and says, you must be Karen. And then he kissed my cheek. Well, I had never been kissed before. So of course, as soon as I got home, I wrote down everything that I could remember about that moment. And then class on Monday, I began to read my story out loud and I heard giggles. And then at lunch, all I heard was Karen and Raymond, you know, that famous yeah. song. Right. So I decided after that, that I'd keep all my personal stories in my diary. I dropped out of school at 15. I got a job and I moved out of the house and it wasn't until about a decade later, I remembered how much I loved writing and I decided, you know, I'm going to go back to school. I had this English teacher named Ian and he made us write tons of essays and stories. And for me, it just felt so good to be writing and sharing with someone again. And I even got back one of my assignments and on the front, it said, I will always scan the shelves for your publications like me, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. But then my financial support was cut. I had to get a second job and life became bananas. I, I couldn't handle it all as a single mom. So I quit school again. And then the only thing that I was writing was my grocery list and PA copy you know, those announcements that you hear in department stores like Sears and, and, you right. know, yeah, well, that was me. <laughs> um, it wasn't until about, you know, seven years later, I'm evaluating my life again I'm on vacation with my family. Uh, we were camping actually. And uh, we were on this, we're at this great beach campsite and it's right after dinner, the sun is setting, we're taking a stroll along the beach. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this police officer. 
And I'm like, that's weird. Cops don't come out here. I'm thinking someone must be in trouble. So I have my guy Barry with me and kids, Jake, Cass, and Whiskey, our dog. And as he comes towards us, he stops right in front of me and he says, excuse me, miss, do you know where I might find Karen Abel? I'm like, that's me. Your mother Maria sent me. I'm so sorry, Karen. Your father passed this morning. Well, the first thing I did was I reached into my pocket and I was looking for a smoke. I remembered I, I quit smoking a year before. And then I remembered I was supposed to call him before we left. And I, and I didn't. And, you know, for the first time in my life, I felt like I had no choice but to get my butt in gear. And time was a gift I could no longer take for granted. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not done making you proud, Dad. So I began to peel back layers of my past and ask myself questions like, why am I here? What's my purpose? And then I decided that I was going to finally write that book. And I got it written. And now I also help others create, you know, what they need to create, get their life and their ideas in motion so that dreams really can come true. Um, because we all have something in us, right? And and sometimes we wait too long or we wait till the perfect time. And, and you know, it's very evident that that can run out. So that's kind of, you know, a, a fast forward version through sections of my life. I know I left a lot of pieces out, but that's, that's how um, we became knowing each other, George. We did. And you, you mentioned writing a book. Now, most people think it takes 10, 15 years to write. A book. How long did it take you to write your first book? Oh, wow. Okay. So figuratively speaking, <laughs> I wanted to write the book when I was uh, 21 years old, mm -hmm. coming home um, after losing everything that I ever worked for. I had no job. I had no money. I had nothing. Um, just come out of a very toxic relationship. And I was sitting on the Greyhound bus. I said, I, I said to the woman next to me, because she was probing me questions like, where are you going? What are you doing with your life? And I just, I didn't want to talk to anybody. So I thought I would just shock her with, I'm going to one day write a book to help others avoid what I just escaped. Now, I had several attempts at that book and that book that I'm talking about in that part of my life is still being written. This book was a book I felt like had to get written before <laughs> the other one. Um, and once I finally sat down and decided, so if you take from 21, I'll be 50 this year, there was 30 years before I actually wrote my first book and published it. Um, but once I decided it was uh, written, edited, published in 90 days. That's amazing. Thank you. That, that I, is I, amazing that you could do it that, especially writing and editing. Uh, that, yes. that would take me 89 of the 90 days, I'm sure, right there. If you're working 
full time. Uh, yes, yes, and I and I was working pretty full time at the time. Uh, so it was uh, it was a it was a big thing, but I had a fast approaching deadline as well. Um, I it was it was actually last year, mm-hmm. a year ago, and things just kept getting canceled. You know, um, trips and and big big things because hello we had a pandemic on our hands we had a little pandemic (laughs) and so after things things getting canceled um you know like business trips and masterminds and and or you know sometimes it was on this end sometimes it was on the other end and um i just experienced another cancellation and i found myself in the corner of my kitchen on the floor crying where else would you be i I, you know And thinking, you know, what, what would happen if like all of my mentors died and kind of taking myself back to when my dad passed away, like I have this book in me and I need to get it written. Wouldn't it be great to get it in my mom's hands for her 79th birthday? And then that was, that was it. I was on a mission. You know, and this book is in you. But yes. who does it appeal to? Who would it be for? And who are you trying to help with this book? All right. So a big portion of um, my life, I I was obese. So when when I was, you know, when I was a little girl, I I was told by my dad, you know, say around the same time that I was writing and sharing stories that I could do anything. So, of course, I set my sights on being a movie star, a singer and a dancer and I was put into ballet and uh, <laughs> I remember what, like the teacher lined us all up facing the mirrors and there was all these little ballerina reflections on my right and all the little ballerina reflections on my left. And then there was mine and mine didn't look anything like theirs. And I had my dad's frame. That was, that was a thing. <laughs> Right? Yeah. Karen's got the Abel frame. So my maiden name was Abel and it's spelled E-L, but it has lots of, you know, right. lots of meanings, right? They say you're able, Karen's able to do anything. And, you know, right. it goes on and on. Um, so uh, by the time I was 27, I had um, had my five-year-old son and I had I had taken on this identity that I was always going to be the big girl always. And so nobody was more surprised than I was when I lost weight, <laughs> which, which felt effortless. I, I had, I had to get my gallbladder removed. I had, um, you know, IBS, I had all of these health problems and, um, I could hear my mom's voice in my head, always saying, just Karen, just, just go for a walk every day and you'll begin to feel better. And, and so I did. And as I, walked more, I got fitter and I thought, and I daydreamed. So in comes, you know, the self-awareness because I'm giving myself time to think. And then I got a job at a department store, Sears in the shoe department. And it was literally my job to run up and down stairs all day because, you know, I person would grab a shoe off a wall. They want a shoe. (laughs) And I, all the stock was in the back room up a flight of stairs. So I go and get the shoe and I come back. And of course they have three more. And then I go back up and I come back down with all the shoes. And of course it's the wrong size. Mm 
Cool. So I'm running up and downstairs all day long and the weight just melted off. And that's when people started to ask me, you know, you look so good. What are you doing? It looks like you lost a whole person. And actually I did. I, I lost the whole person that I was as a fat girl. You know, um, I found that I didn't know how to receive the compliments and I found myself chasing a number on a scale and counting individual blueberries to not exceed my calorie count because I had this incredible fear of gaining the weight back. So I wrote this book because I felt the urgency to write about the ugly side of weight loss. And the ugly side of weight loss is trying to figure out who you are in your own body and, 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 and having all these outside influences tell you who and what you are and connecting worth to that. Um, Because, you know, of course, then I went into the cosmetic industry. I was a fitness leader, led group fitness for eight years, and I was right in the thick of it. Yeah. Um, and then I I ran two marathons. Um, after the second one, I hit a hormonal wall and my I had to reprogram my entire nervous system because I was doing too much. So I learned how to be kind to my body. And one of the first programs, online courses that I ever wrote was this program called the Love Your Body Now Club. Okay. Sounds great, but not nobody is actually typing that into Google, including me, when when they don't feel good about their body. It's like, how do I lose 10 pounds fast? Or, you know, um, how do how do we change to become smaller, bigger, whatever, whatever it is? How do we change what we have? And a lot of things lead to what I would see in the fitness industry um, is punishment. Um, I'm bad because I ate that. Mm-hmm. I'm I need to work out harder because I'm I'm not an athlete. I don't deserve this. I have to work harder than the average person. Why can't I lose weight? So it's not so much about um, loving your body. It's learning how to convince your body that you like it. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of it works on guilt. You know, a lot yes. of the yeah. weight loss works on guilt. When you put out this book, and we're going to get to the online course too. When yes. you put out this book, how did you promote it? Did you go on a tour or did you just put it online? How did What did you do to promote your book? Because <laughs> a lot of people, A, number one, need the work that you've done. They need the, the help. But a lot of people watching want to write their own book. And, you know, a lot of people can write a book, but how do you get it out there and have the success that you've had? Well, I I mean, of course, I I have another funny story. I have not done a typical book launch. Actually, I will be Mm -hmm. launching um, this in the next month or so. I will be launching the audio version. And in that way, I'll be taking the traditional launch. (laughs) But what I did is I began to write a keynote because mm-hmm. my intention was to take it on the road. 
Um, because at the same time the pandemic was happening in the British Columbia, I don't know if you remember, there were all of these floods that were right. going on that stopped all of our merchandise from coming. When after I published the book, I published on KDP on um, so that it's a print on demand system. Right. And I ordered myself a bunch of author copies. And I was going to sign it and send it to my mom. And I realized I wasn't going to get them till January. And the book was available on sale. So I ordered one from my Amazon, got it delivered to my mom. Other people had ordered that knew that my book was out. And every my mom got the first book before I even had a copy. And which was priceless. But everybody started to get their book before I even had a copy in my hand. So I felt very grateful about that, but I also thought that's a funny story. And then I began to write um, my keynote based on the stories that people had already read in the book and they felt like resonated. So um, I thought, okay, so this is going to be my, my launch strategy. And funny thing, George, you know, I'm, I'm sitting on my exercise bike doing a workout and my niece is a musician. And I started thinking about the stories that I was going to fuse together because when I exercise, I create a zone. And there was a song that came on that I thought my niece would sound beautiful singing. And it was a, a very, the song matched the aura to the book. And I thought, I wonder if, you know, Megan would be interested in coming to, uh, you know, sing at this book tour I'm put, using air quotes because I wasn't really sure what I was creating and uh, so the same day I also saw that the local theater was looking for um, performances for this summer um, the summer theater festival and so I I texted Megan who I hadn't spoken to in two years and I said you know what do you think about putting together some sort of show based on the book because she had already read the book too. And she's like, I love that idea, auntie, let's do it. <laughs> and then we ended up writing a show. So uh, it's called My Body is My Home. It was supposed to be a book keynote and yes, it can be, but it ended up being um, a, a, a lot more than what we expected. So I've now performed that six times. The last two times were without Megan. I'm just using her music. Um, there was most of the songs that are in the show, she had written in different timelines, mm -hmm. but had uh, the lyrics were like what the author was saying in their head, you know, like it just, it fit. So it was a very unconventional way of promoting the book. <laughs> but that's yes. that's kind of uh well you you've got a right. show now for the for those of those you know people of course are interested the show i believe parts of it are on youtube there there are there's just like one little section that's public i do have uh the show on the full show the the third the third version i always call them versions because they uh, grow and evolve with each one it's never the same show <laughs> no and uh it's it's unlisted on youtube so i i i'm using that one for people that are interested in uh sponsoring the show 
or having to show at a school or to to be as part of a workshop. Mm -hmm. There are lots of um, things that are addressed in it um, more than just body image. Right. There's abandonment, toxic relationships. And so there's lots of these um, engaging topics that that open up conversations and dialogue we have mentioned the book but we've mm -hmm. not mentioned the title of the book uh, the and title we need to know how to get the book before you get any more copies of it so how do we get the copy and yeah. what's the title of the book and tell okay. us a little bit about it thank you so much um the title of the book is called be weightless like your body love yourself and it's available. You could find it on bewaitlist.ca. It goes, that goes right to my website, a landing page. You can order a copy straight from me, which I'll sign it and mail it to you. Or you could order it off of Amazon. Um, okay. And it's also available in Kindle format as well. Now, um, now let's spell it out. B, the word B-E and yes. waitlist, W-E-I-G-H-T-L-E-S-S. -S. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. We just want to make sure if you're searching for it, that's where to that's where to find it. And that's right. What does that mean to you? What is what is your basic definition? Because weightless to me sounds sounds like you're floating in the air or you know something yeah. like that. But what does it mean to you? It, it's it's a very it's a very similar feeling. So being weightless is all about disconnecting the number on the scale. Uh, or the number okay. and the clothes size. And I, I put together a formula based on mindset, movement, and momentum and working with your body energetically. So when, when you're looking for the types of foods to eat, it's how does that food make me feel rather than being on a diet? Really lots of self-assessments mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of, you know, how does this exercise make me feel? It's not always where it work, you know, about working harder. It's about working smarter mm -hmm. and also making sure that it, there's something about it that your heart and your head both love because, and, and it can be something small. It can be the person you're with. It can be the instructor. Um, it doesn't actually have to be the workout, but if every time you're working out, it's a punishment, then that sends signals to your body to, to, to spike up the bad stress. Yeah. And well, you're, so, you know, you, you spike up, you say punishment, you're bad. What am I going to do to ease this guilt? I'm going to eat. Yes. You know, yeah. That's one of the best things I'm going to eat. And that's, yeah. gonna, that's why they call it comfort food. Exactly. And so yeah. there's so many ways to, to bring together your own types of mm -hmm. comfort food, just by being aware of how things make you feel. So if I if I love to have this dessert, I'm not saying never have that dessert again. It's being aware of what that sugar spike might do. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to change your mood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so so if you were aware of that, you can either have the choice to not or make make a different version of it that's not going to spike your blood pressure and bring you into that negative curveball. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not about deprivation. It's certainly not about punishment. Um, it's more so about being kind, but also being aware and proactive. Well, it sounds like there's a balance there. And yes. how do you balance all of these? And what's your definition? Is there such a thing as balance in this in this field? I, I have a heart, like, it's, it's funny you say that, George, like, I, 
I have a, a little bit of a disbelief of actual balance. I actually, the podcast, I, I have a podcast and I originally named it Bring On Balance. Well, no, wait a minute. Go ahead and, and we want to know your podcast too. What is that? Uh, it's now called the ideas in motion podcast. I'm just getting ready to, um, start recording season four. Okay. And I just, season three ended in February, uh, because with this show that I was doing, I, I just didn't have the capacity of voice or time to do a really good job on the podcast. So the podcast took a little bit of a, of a break, mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but my idea of balance is, is that it, to stop chasing it, I feel like it's more, uh, more of a search for, um, our body is our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So my, the, my belief is that, you know, we have our mindset, we have our movement and we have our momentum, which is really your mind, your body and your purpose. And all three of those are equally as important to overall well-being. And sometimes we'll have something that's in our purpose, say it's work-related. It's more important to us because it's it's filling that desire. And we maybe we have our workouts completely like we know we do them every day. Maybe we have a dog or or we, you know, we have that all under control. And then our mindset is all under control. Well. In this period, if the purpose is not under control in those other two ones, then it's time to shift that purpose to the top priority. And so instead of setting like these 10 goals for the year to hit, I I, I don't know if you agree, but every goal I, I, I set out to do, they're big. They have 15 other goals attached to them to get to that big goal. So instead of striving for balance, I always encourage people to look for intentions in the thing that you're needing to feed the most for your wellness, because whatever we're not doing, we feel bad about. Right. And so how, how do we get that into our routine so that we're doing it daily because, um, without doing too much. So things might need to shift and change in your routine based on what you need to get done. And that's actually the process that I did with the book. Well, I, yeah, I wanted to know you published, you got a book written, published, edited and published so fast. How did you do that? How did you do something like that? That's a like an Olympic record for getting a book out. Yeah. Well, I had a little bit of help with, with the, the framework. It was so helpful, helpful. You know, I took, um, I don't know if you've seen it, Joshua Sprague. I I've never met the guy. Mm-hmm. He puts out this great, um, uh, 30 day book writing challenge. And what he, what he did was he, he was able to, to give me this, um, process of how to frame the the book so that I'm not just writing this and this and everywhere. And then that's you write every day. And that's, that's the philosophy. But what I noticed in this process, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the same process that I hand to my clients when they're looking to write an online course so that, you know, that everything that you're writing is connected to the sole purpose of that course. So I knew the, I knew the, I knew the process. I just hadn't flipped it right to, to, to use it to me 
to write this book. So once I had that process locked in, um, I just made it my, my first thing that I did in the morning. So I would get up, I'd have mm -hmm. uh, a coffee, a meditation, and I would set the timer and I would, I would free write. And I did about an hour and a half every day of sets. So I would have a set, take a break, set, take a break, set, take a break. And right. I, that's how I did all the free write, all the editing. Um, I outsourced the, the cover mm -hmm. and I had, I hired two people to run through the edits. Uh, one, um, one was a woman, one was a man, just basically looking for grammar and format. Oh. And um, that was after I had edited it four times. So now you have you have experience in putting on a show, writing a book, online courses, uh, putting out podcasts. How can people get people that don't have the resources? How can they come to a one stop shop like you and you help them do what they want to do, get their message out? Yeah, I think it would really, really, I'd, I'd love to see people start, um, you know, just by diving into the ideas in motion journal, and then or possibly just having a conversation with me. Um, my, web with you? my website is karenwilson.online. And you can find uh, the planner at karenwilson.online forward slash planner. And, you know, those are just really great ways to start. And it's funny because I was talking to my coach yesterday and I said, I've, I've always struggled with what to call myself because I help people with their wellness and their personal life and their personal goals. And I have all the, this experience with right. online courses and, and business tools. And I said, you know me, I'm SOP, right? Do you remember that song? Yes. <laughs> standard operating procedure right it's such a boring thing to say but that's what i do yeah uh, that's in and they can go i want to know one more time spell it out so people can get in touch with you because you've got a wealth of experience to be able to share with them oh thank you george it's karen wilson dot online so that's that a-r-e-n w-i-l-s-o-n dot online that's correct correct Okay, I just wanted to make sure our viewers, listeners, and people know how to get in touch with you. you you're this gem in here, and we want to have your light shining. Thank you. That's so so nice of you to say. I, I'm a, it's, it's not until I sit down and do my annual, like, what did I do this year, that I realized um, how, how much you can accomplish in a year. And I, I'm also an expert on recovery too. So I don't like work 18 hour days. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, there's definitely things that I do lack. You're going to show them <laughs> how to do it. You're going to tell them, show them and, uh, walk them through the process without letting them get way out of, out of line. That's right. I actually, it's one of the reasons why I, I, I couldn't go deep into mm -hmm. online course helpers. I couldn't right. go deep into fitness instructors. Sure. I couldn't go because every everybody and and even as a cosmetician, because there was always an underlying thing, mm -hmm. and that was the taking care of self. Well, Karen, I, I really appreciate you being here, and you're going to get a lot of feedback, and you're going to get a lot of calls about this because. 
I mean, you have just scratched the, you know, the thin veneer of knowledge that you've got and the experience that you've got because you've learned a lot of it through the School of Hard Knocks. Yeah, absolutely. Those the, are expensive lessons, but very good lessons. Very, very. My dad always said, you have to learn the hard way now, don't you? Well, <laughs> you you took that to heart, didn't you? <laughs> a few times. A few times, yeah. Well, thank, thank you, George. Thank you very much. And once again, how do we get, I, I want to get the book. How do I get the book? I just go to beweightless.ca and right now it's available uh, to order from me a signed copy or on Amazon and Amazon is a way that you can get it for, um, you know, right, right away and the Kindle version. And I also have um, a code on all the products in my store okay. uh, for a percentage off for yeah. momentum using the code momentum until I want, the end I want mine signed. I want mine <laughs> yeah, signed. And I can get some for other people for for birthday presents and that kind of thing. And I'll bet you'll personalize them if 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 I ask. It, absolutely. I okay. I would love to know um you know a little bit about the person and then I can personalize it a little bit more. Karen, yeah. you're you're a genius and I appreciate the time you spent with us. And thank you very much. And I Cannot wait to see how much you succeed. Now I'm going to be able to say, I knew her when. Yeah, thanks. Well, it, it goes both ways, George. I okay. really appreciate being on the show. And and um, thank you so much for, for having me. It's uh, and, and thank you for, you know, making me feel really welcome and special. Like that's. Well, you've got that great Tennessee accent. We, we understand you. We understand y'all how you do. Yeah, I know. I say that. I get people in Canada say, "Are are you from Are you from the U.S.?" And I, because I've been saying that for years, I think it's a great way to include everybody. Right. I, I and I and I'm Canadian, so I say y'all all the time. Good. We'll 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 get you trained up in Southern accent. Thank you again, Karen. <laughs> Thank you, George. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.